Blessed Easter. Easter is, in the Christian calendar, the most significant event, the most um, significant day of the Christian calendar. Although these days we celebrate a lot more of Christmas because it's a lot more fun, it seems. But to the Christian, Easter is the most significant because it is the time when we remember again that Christ is risen. So I'd like us to turn to, to look at Matthew chapter 28. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 15. Matthew 28, verse 1 to verse 15. Let us pray. Father, speak your word to us. The Easter, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ may dawn into our hearts that we may know from deep within what it means to have to worship a risen Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 28, verse 1 to 15. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And the story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. While we acknowledge that Easter is the most significant day in the Christian calendar, we ask the next two questions. How significant was it? What did it mean to the disciples then? And what then does it mean to us today? I have four thoughts for us. The first thought is this, that the resurrection of Christ made the disciples listen once again to what Jesus had said. The resurrection made the disciples listen again to what Jesus had said. Jesus had, on several occasions, told his disciples about his coming death and resurrection. But first we look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. The angel said to Mary, I mean, the angel said to the two Marys, He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. 
come and see the place where he lay. The angel was reminding the two ladies that Jesus had told them that he had risen. But it was something that the women, none of the women, none of the disciples even registered. We look, for example, at the earlier portion in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 and 22. Matthew 16, verse 21 and 22. This was the first time when Jesus announced to his disciples that he would die. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. What did the disciples hear when Jesus said this? The disciples simply heard that Jesus would be crucified, he would be arrested by the, the elders, the chief priests, teachers of the law, and he, would be, he, he must be killed. That's all they heard, that he would die. At the, at the peak of his ministry, Jesus announced that he would die. And all that the disciples heard was this, that Jesus would die. And so Peter took him aside and rebuked him and said, Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. It never registered to them that Jesus would die and then be raised again. This was not even within the realm of possibility. All they heard was that the end of their ministry, Jesus would be handed over to evil men and be killed. The second time that Jesus announced this was in Matthew chapter 17, verse 22 and 23. Matthew chapter 17, verse 22 and 23. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. The disciples were filled with grief. Once again, all that the disciples heard was that he would be delivered into the hands of evil men, and they will kill him. They did not hear the part that he would be raised again. And so they were filled with grief. The resurrection caused the disciples to hear once again what Jesus was saying, that he would be raised from the dead. And that was so important. Earlier on, when Stacy was praying, she also prayed that we will once again hear that the things that Jesus said would be, are true because of the resurrection. Because often all that we hear will be the message of suffering, message of persecution. And what we do not hear is the message of victory. And so if we were to turn back to the Beatitudes that we had learned weeks, months ago, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When we read, when we hear a, a message like that, all we get to register is that people will persecute us, falsely say all kinds of evil against us because of Christ. We brace ourselves for a persecution. Perhaps we miss the point when Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. 
we are ready for the insults. When we do something that is for the gospel, we are ready that people will persecute us. We are ready that they will insult us. It is with great mourning because we cannot hear the message that says, blessed are you when these things happen. Rejoice and be glad when these things happen. The first truth then about the resurrection is that it causes us all to hear the greater part of the gospel. And that is that when we go through hard times, we have reason to rejoice because Christ has overcome. Even as the angel said to the two Marys, he, as he said, he is no longer around. Can we also hear that as he said, you can rejoice because there is a greater end to it. The first message then is that the resurrection caused the disciples to listen again to what Jesus had really said. The second thing that took place that we might think about is that the resurrection has helped the disciples to see that God is powerful, but weakness is part of the process. That God is powerful, but weakness is part of the process. We look back at the passage that we read in Matthew chapter 28, verse 2 to 4. And this was a great show of power. Matthew 28, verse 2 to 4, it says, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like, that, like, like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. When the angel, just one angel came down, there was a violent earthquake. Just going up to the stone, which was very heavy, which needed several people to roll, the angel simply rolled it aside and sat on it. The sense of sitting on it was almost casual, as though it were made a footstool for the angel. And so dazzling was the sight of this angel that the guards almost, the guards were so terrified they were as if they were dead. So powerful was this movement of God. And yet we just look at three days before that, as Jesus was on the cross. And we look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 39 to 44, just a few verses earlier. This is what we read. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved himself. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants, if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Just a chapter earlier, we see the helplessness of Jesus, the silence of God. If he is really the Son of God, he would have come off the cross. God would have sent legions of soldiers, of angels to come and rescue him. But God was silent. There was no help. There was only weakness. 
And I wonder when the disciples stood by and wished and hoped fervently that God would come and deliver Jesus, they couldn't understand why the God who healed, the God who did so much good, was now so silent and so helpless. Why the Son of God would hang on the cross and there would be no one to save Him. Why God would not come quickly and deliver His own Son. Here was a sense, a scene of despair, scene of hopelessness. Where is God? Even as Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you left me? Where is God in all this? It seems as though God is extremely weak. God is helpless or God does not help. But at Easter, the angel came down powerfully, rolled the stone away and as he came down, there was an earthquake. And then he raised Jesus and Jesus walked out. And the angels were so dazzling that the guards fainted. Guards could not stand by to stop Jesus. There is a time for power where God comes in all power to deliver. But there is also a time of the silence of God. And perhaps we never understand it. Now on hindsight, we realize that Jesus had to die for our sins. Jesus had to go to hell, the deepest death, to save us. But the disciples never understood that. And often we do not understand the silence of God as well. Yesterday, I was just musing with my daughter about how hard it was for people to be, to be healed of their, their mental health problems. We talked about how long-term it was when you journey with someone who is suffering from depression, journey with someone who is very broken. And we all wish that it would be fast. We wish that I could lay hands on them and they would be healed instantly. And often we think of quick results. We think of counselling that may take five, five sessions and the person will be jumping, leaping with joy. In fact, at one time, about 10 to 20 years ago, we had this healing, inner healing ministry that was a rave. It's less so now. But we thought then that if we went through inner healing for six months, we would come, come out healthy, completely healed, completely restored. And yet, the reality is that sometimes we struggle. A close friend of mine who is suffering from depression asked if there would be ever be an end to this depression. Because struggling for years, for decades, she wonders if God delivers. The reality is that there is a time when God seems distant. God does not deliver. But resurrection reminds us that that's not the last word, that God does deliver. You know, when we embark on opening our church to the neighbourhood and we will surely do that. We sometimes expect and anticipate that it will be fast, that people, broken people come, we pray for them, one, two sessions, and they become wonderfully healed, all ready to be disciples. But I remember something that um, the pastor of Agape Baptist Church, the same name, Agape Baptist Church, was known for its outreach to the neighbourhood. The senior pastor gave us a lecture about what it was like at the beginning. He said, when they started, the first people who came were all mentally ill. Not just mental health problems, not just depression, but actually mentally sick. Crazy people. And his time was just occupied with mentally ill people, one after another. And they prayed and nothing happened. They tried to minister and nothing happened. And then the church 
had to learn to embrace those even who were mentally ill and to love them. God was slow in ministry, but there was something that they had, each one had to learn. When the disciples saw in despair Jesus hanging on the cross, they had much to learn. They had to learn about themselves, about their denial, about their fears, about the sense of helplessness. And then the resurrection came and that made all the difference. There are no quick answers as God does not give us quick answers to all our solutions. There will be times when we pray and we work and we pray and we work and there seems to be little progress. The reality is that God does do His work, but He needs to give us that stretch. And sometimes the stretch could be a few days, a few days, a few months, a few years, and sometimes decades. But there is a purpose for this, not just for the person who's suffering, but for the whole community. As we struggle to follow Christ and to minister to one another. Resurrection reminds us that weakness is part of the process. Helplessness is part of the process. But that God is powerful and at some point there will be breakthroughs. And so we hang on and we pray, we do what's necessary, we love one another, we struggle with one another. Deep inside we know that there is a resurrection. There is hope. The third thing to ponder about is that Evil will continue. Evil will continue. That doesn't seem like good news. Well, that's only point three because there is still great news. But the reality is that evil will continue. And we turn to Matthew chapter 28, back to the passage that we read, verse 11 to 15. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised the plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Sometimes we read this passage or we listen to this passage incredulously. How could anyone be so stubborn, so dead, so blind, so deaf? That even at the narrative of the soldiers who were there, who witnessed the scene, they would still deny that Christ was risen. I mean, soldiers don't often fall asleep all at once. That's really ridiculous. This morning, as Ihui Chuan Tao was sharing about it, she said she asked some soldiers, do you ever sleep on duty? And said, of course not. If we slept on duty, we'd be in big trouble. We might sleep standing and collapse on the floor and wake up when we hit the floor. But no one just lies down to sleep. Especially when these guards had already been told it was fortified, extra fortified. Earlier on, before this passage, it was said that the elders already expected disciples to steal the body and so fortified the, the tomb and got more soldiers there and told the soldiers be alert because this very thing will happen. What's the likelihood of guards falling asleep? It's just the most lucrative thing. 
But then for these guards themselves to have seen what happened, themselves have seen the shining angel coming and be terrified as if dead, coming to report to the elders, this is what really happened. How obtuse, how blank could, how hardened could these elders be? That even confronted with the truth, they would deny the truth and create a lie. It really beats any understanding. And yet, even as the women were running off to tell the disciples the good news, this exact evil was happening. But it does tell us about our expectations too. We often believe, expect that when we become Christians or when we become filled with the Holy Spirit, things naturally happen, good things. It's impossible to, for evil things to happen. And we sometimes scratch our heads and wonder why hearts are so hardened. How hardened people could be, whether in the church or in establishments, in the religious institutions, how that could still happen. That's the reality. It continues to happen. And we, as we go into the book of Acts in, a month, in six weeks' time, we will again read of the courage of the disciples but also the hardness of the hearts of the leaders of the institution, of the Jewish institution. That the opposition they faced was always the hardness of hearts. And they had to live through that. And this will continue until Christ comes again. And so perhaps then we could temper our expectations of the world and even of Christianity, of Christian, of the institution of Christianity. There will be hardness of hearts and there will be opposition. Final point is that the resurrection is not God's last work. The resurrection is not God's last work. Jesus rose. But even in the resurrection of Christ, the disciples will continue, will not will be excited for a while. They would be elated, joyful for a while. But then they will succumb to their fears again. They will succumb to the persecutions. You can't sustain people just by one act, one miracle. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 10, He said to the women, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go Galilee. There they will see me. Do not be afraid. The first time when the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, that was probably when the women were terrified of the angel. But this time, the second time, when Jesus said it to the disciple, to the two women, I don't think it had to do with fear of him because they already grabbed, clasped his feet and worshipped him. It was more, do not be afraid of the things that will come. Because even making their way to the disciples was dangerous. They were fugitives. Making their way to the disciples, telling the disciples, now gather, move from where you are and go to Galilee, that was dangerous too. And there would be dangers from henceforth, danger after danger after danger. And the resurrection of Christ itself cannot sustain the courage that the disciples or the women experienced. It had to be something more. That something more is, in, is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. A good Easter sermon may be inspirational. It's not going to last very long. 
It's not going to raise your courage. It's not going to get you to sustain you for that journey. There must be far more than that. And that far more is in outpouring or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at Acts, again, we will see that happen. That the disciples were not just motivated by the resurrection of Christ. In fact, as Christ was raised, they looked up, ascended to heaven, they looked up and that was it. They would be afraid again. But Jesus said, wait for the coming, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for that as it fills your heart and that fills you, then will you have power to be my witnesses. Resurrection of Christ brings about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And in that, that alone will sustain us for our journey. And so we celebrate Easter. But as we celebrate Easter, let us pause and think back of the things that Jesus taught us and read again and listen again to His Word. Because the resurrection was missed out by the disciples as Jesus told them it is important. And the blessings then that Jesus tells us in the midst of persecution, in the midst of insults, is important. Blessed are you when men insult you and persecute you. Rejoice and be glad. And yet again, that God is powerful, but weakness is part of that process. Let us pray. Father, help us in our day-to-day living that we may recognize that Christ has risen and that makes all the difference in our lives. We may read again your word and realize your promises that suffering and rejection and conflict is not the last word. It is victory and celebration and rejoicing even in the midst of these things. Father, help us too, Lord, that even as we go through times of your silence of unanswered prayer, even as we pray for ourselves and for others for healing, healing of the mind, healing of the spirit, healing of the body, even as we cry out to you to change our circumstances, to improve our circumstances, allow us to know that your silence and our weakness is not the last word but that there will be power and there will be victory but Lord that may take a long time keep our hearts and minds on you that we may we may hold out hope God we pray then that as we ponder your word as we come to you you will pour your Holy Spirit upon us too that we may know that we live supernaturally, we do not live just inspired lives, but we live powerful lives where your Holy Spirit dwells within us and transforms us. Cause us, Lord, to look to that time. For some, it has already come when your Holy Spirit has come and filled us. For others, it may not have come. That we may look forward and we may anticipate that time when your Spirit pours into us and we will be sustained to live as people who know you, people who follow you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let us rise and is in the response.